I will not spit this chewing gum out. In this episode of Man vs. Uh. Marriage, Anchors of the Past, and Kirsten in the background, why Anchors of the Past are screwing up your relationship. And it's not the good screwing, it's the bad one. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, Quincy Moran, the Q-Dog, in the Moran Family Studio with my lovely wife. Hello, honey. Spit it out. No, I'm not going <laughs> to spit out this chewing gum. Now listen, I have chewing gum It's disgusting. Look, I've recently restarted the bad habit of chewing gum. I got out of the bad habit of chewing gum because the fake sugar in it. Fake sugar it, sucks. It's, it's bad not, for you. The, but look. It's not the gum no, that's look. the problem. It's the noise that you I make know. when you chew it. That's why I'm dipping the gum in my Blech. lip like a chew. I'm not actually chewing it, but old bad habits might take over, so I might chew it from time to time. Do not forsake this podcast because I'm chewing gum. Don't forsake the podcast because Kirsten's in the background, obsessively calling Gracie's name. Ashley, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. Look, I'm on a good streak here. <laughs> I have not chewed this gum in a minute and 20-something seconds. Let's get this show going. Anchors of the past. We've had this show on deck for, what would you say, three months? About that, yeah. We've had the show on deck for three months, and we were doing some deep, deeper levels of research, and the time just kept slipping away for us to do the research. So we said, screw it. We're going to have an open discussion about it, because... I was kind of having a hard time framing how this was going to work out. So what we're going to do is explain, what I'm going to do is explain what anchors of the past are. We're going to share some examples. I'm going to run out there and tackle Kirsten like a wild linebacker in hopes that it makes her change her tone. And then when I get back, we're going to finish this show up. So here's where we're going to start. No, there she goes again. I'm sorry. It's distracting. And I know you can hear it through the door. And that's why I'm trying to say Moran Family Studio is on lock. <laughs> I can't wait. Hey, again, we've said it in earlier episodes. If you want to sponsor the Man vs. Marriage Studio, just, just email me at Quincy at mvsmpodcast.com and uh and i will give you a you know i'll i will use your name as the sponsor for many years to come because uh, financially i just can't buy a studio <laughs> right now anyway i digress and that's not where you're here listen to me it may end up being a soft padded room at this rate <laughs> yeah and that would work just give me one of those cordless microphones with that being said, anchors of the past, what does that even mean? It's not a nautical term, even though it's a nautical metaphor. There are things 
within you things that you grew up thoughts feelings reservations i know traumas is probably overused these days so we're not trying to you know make you a, a victocrat but at the same time there are things from your past that have you stuck because those things made such an impression and they anchored you back there so you may in some areas of your emotional intelligence you might be you know 15 years old you know but present day you're 38 there are just lenses or filters or anchors that are holding you back and it happens subconsciously and you may not understand that's what's happening and because of that you could be projecting um, those frustrations, those hurts on the people that are closest to you. And I'll have Jeannie talk about, you know, um, one of the references. And we struggled today because we were trying to come up for what with what the topic was during this particular coaching session. And neither one of us could remember. But we've come a long way because of it. And we still remember... The freedom we experienced, I myself definitely remember the freedom that, that we experienced. So I'll have her talk you through the situation, what it was. You can hear it in her words, and then I'll kind of give you my feedback on how it changed our relationship for me. I don't honestly remember what the conversation was. I know part of what was brought up was um, you had taken on certain things from someone else's marriage and started kind of making them our rules and how we did things. And it was frustrating. And, um, I remember that was one of the conversations was, you know, if I was gone for more than three hours, it was like, well, where are you? You're calling me trying, where are you? How come it's taking you so long? And, um, I used to get frustrated because I felt like I was on curfew all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was one of those things like I, I'm, I'm out. This is the only time I'm out. So I'm going to take my time and do what I need to do. But I'm going to be out for a little while. And um, I used to get frustrated because it felt like my dad. Like I, I felt like I had a curfew all the time where I had to... I only had a certain amount of time to do what I needed to do. And if I couldn't do it, I was constantly worried and freaking out when I was out because I didn't want to upset you. And, um, you know, and we didn't... Back then, we didn't argue and that was one of the things that used to frustrate me because in my house growing up, there were two ways things went. Either they went for the jugular and they made you feel so crappy that you stopped talking. Mm -hmm. Or they got pissed off and they cut off all communication and affection from everybody. So when you and I would not argue to argue it would frustrate me because that's what I saw or I was being cut off and um not knowing at the time that quality time and touch are my two main languages not having those two things would frustrate me um but what ended up happening is we when we would argue or something would come up there would be certain things that you would say or the way you would say it and it would trigger me back to my dad and the way that he would talk to me and the way that he would treat me and it used to frustrate the crap out of me because I didn't want to be married to my dad and 
once Rita walked us through it, and I I can't remember the conversation. Okay, let me break it down because I believe I believe I've come to as you're talking. I think what's happened is you've kind of mixed two stories together. Let me tell you why. Because early on in our marriage, I did take on the mannerisms of my mentor, mm -hmm. Jack. Not you, Coach oh. Jack, but no. <laughs> this is a this is a situation where I don't want to say real names, so it'll be a Jack and Jill situation. So you would go out to the store. Kids were young. You know, whatever's going on. It's like, well, how long do you think it'll be? And then you were gone for a while, which shouldn't have been a problem. And I would end up calling the store. Hey, you know, because we didn't have cell phones. It's like, you know, please call the, you know, Jeannie Moran to the, to the whatever. Anyway, and I remember this distinctly. And I think you were out with, uh, I think you were out with two or three people. One of them might have been a suite or something like that. Anyway, I was getting frustrated because it was longer than we thought. Anyway, these were habits, mannerisms, and things that I got from a mentor of mine, and it's what I watched. So it's what I began to do. And I didn't realize how stupid I was being, how petty I was being, um, and that I could have communicated it differently. But this is early on in our marriage, so I'm, you know, just chewing you out on the phone. Um, and you're there. Which I'm sure is embarrassing because, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're a grown woman. And I realized in that moment, you know, and when you came home later, that I was treating you like a child. And I took a step back and I was like, that's freaking stupid. Because you see this happen. You see this guy do this to his wife and you don't like it and you think it's dumb. And you're doing it without realizing you're doing it. So... That's where that situation started to change. But separately, this situation came up, and I believe it was based around accountability. And we were talking to Rita about your issues with me holding you accountable, whether it was with your food or your exercise or whatever it was. And she taught us that when you are holding somebody accountable... You're not using your words. You're using that person's words back to them. And we got into the discussion of, well, we're a home team. I'm your biggest cheerleader. Nobody's a bigger fan of you than I am. And when I do these things, it's because you've given me permission and I want you to succeed. But all you could hear was that I was implicating you to be a failure. And that's where it came down in that discussion, in that session, that my accountability or whatever it was, you didn't really hear my voice as the person who was for you. All you could hear was your dad because things happen with your dad, whether it was your desire to sing or whatever it was. Life in general. That was clear, you know, that was consistently cutting you down. My dad's way of encouraging was to tell you you couldn't do something so that you would hopefully get pissed off and proven wrong. Didn't yeah. always work out. Well, that might have, that just might have been what happened in his life growing up. Anyway, mm -hmm. best I can recall as you're telling me and things are unfolding, the issue with me mimicking Jack, Jack off, whoever mm -hmm. you're saying, um, was a separate issue because I was just being stupid. I, w I had stupid habits 
that I didn't even like that someone else was doing, and I found myself doing it. This was, this anchor dealing with the voice of your dad was around accountability, and that's how, that's how it worked out. Now, this is the best I can remember. Those were two separate issues. A, I was being stupid and copying stupid habits from something that, you know, from someone that I admired greatly. But I didn't like that part. Because I had seen him do that, too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how dumb? Your wife's a freaking grown woman. And here I am doing the same thing. And when I realized it, it was like, you're a freaking idiot. Because I remember at one point I called you young lady. And it's like... You're <laughs> freaking dead, you moron. That was like a aha moment for me. I was like, what in the hell just happened? Who have I become? And that that's what changed that situation. Head from sphincter. Then talk. Take your head out of your arse and stop being an idiot, you freaking fool. <laughs> anyway, that's those were two separate situations and they were kind of being blended together. I'm I'm pretty certain it was around accountability because we, you know, I was getting healthy and you were working on getting healthy and, you know, you were supposed to not have the ice cream or the Reese's cups. And I was talking about it and you get pissed at me for that, <laughs> which is kind of a natural born response when you're asking people to hold you accountable, but you couldn't see it as your husband, the coach, the one who... Not that you wanted me as a coach, but the one who is a big cheerleader for you and is rooting for your success, you saw it as something different from the voice of, you know, your dad, God love him, that was a negative voice. This is what I remember. You tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. No, you're right. Um, there were a few different things where... Um... Uh, I don't know. There were a lot of different things where we noticed, um, not even just conversations, but like the way I would behave changed when stuff like that came up. I mean, even, even to the point of if I knew my dad was coming over, yeah, I had to make sure the house was perfect or at least his room was perfect. And then I had to make sure that the kids stayed quiet enough that when he watched TV, he wasn't going to bitch about it. Or, you know, we didn't, frazzle him or upset him because I didn't want the backlash from it. And I'm a grown ass woman in my own house. Right. But those things were so ingrained in me. Just don't upset the bear. Just don't poke the bear. And then we'll all have a peaceful evening. We'll have a good visit. Don't poke the bear. And it, I don't know. Those things just didn't, it didn't make sense until later that those things were what I was responding to. It wasn't just you, the way you talked to me or things that were going on between us. It was just things that I had learned and they became ingrained patterns in me because it was, I was protecting myself. I learned how to protect myself from things. And, um, you didn't realize you didn't need to protect yourself from me. I, no, no. I, I protected myself from everybody. Yeah. From everybody. Yeah. I mean, even Rita in the beginning, it was like, mm, I'll give you this much and we'll see what you do with it. But I can't give you too much because I don't know what you'll do with it. And um, I am really tender under the surface if you can get to it. But 
it takes a lot to get to it. Yeah, that's just one of the things that I, aside from your obscene beauty when I first met you, I could tell that you were trying to be a tough chick, but there was a very soft, you know, good-hearted person in there. I always, I always told you that since, basically since I met you. That I know, all you, right your famous line is always, you tell me, I see you. Like, okay. I did. I know. So with that being said, you know, I, I, I don't, my childhood was not perfect. Yours wasn't perfect. And we're not even setting out to, I mean, I'm not setting out to implicate anybody's parents. I'm just no, here it's, telling it's you. Anybody. I mean, it's not necessarily just your parents. I mean, there were certain things that we picked up on from everywhere. I mean, your mentor or people that we hung out with. We just, we were trying to take on what other people were showing us because that's all we knew what a marriage was. It's it's what we admired in a marriage. I came from, I come from a divorced home. So, you know, part of my anchor that we had to figure out was, you know, if there was an argument to be had, there were a lot of things that I would just argue because I love to debate. But when it came to you being upset and us arguing, me being concerned that if there's too much arguing, somebody's leaving, so I'll just stay quiet and I don't have to worry about it. And I know you would get upset at me about that. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you talking? doesn't matter. I'd, I'd rather not fight about it. And I did watch that. You know, with, with my papa and granny, I saw that, you know, she'd, and, you know, he would just kind of, just kind of bow out of it. Somehow it worked for them. But for us, it didn't. I didn't have to have a fear that you were going to leave. And you didn't have to have a fear that you needed to protect yourself from me. Because it should be particularly the opposite. Especially if you decided to get married. So, I mean, I guess that's another, that's even a, a totally different um, episode in itself with for newlyweds. If you have these kind of issues unresolved, work them out before you get married. And it's not like you're going to be able to work out 100% of your issues. But there but, are some that could be, you know... A hard way to start a marriage. True. And we generally have the hard way. <laughs> We're really good at the hard way. But, borrowed Ian's helmet. I know, right? <laughs> um, so, once that took place, once we had that conversation and there, there was that awakening moment between us um, and understanding that I was not trying to be your dad. I was trying to be your cheerleader. And you realizing at that point, I think that's that's really when the the idea that you need to give your spouse permission to go here. And that, that really uprooted the anchor. Because things changed in a big way for us and our communication, our trust with each other. They just changed. Yeah. You know, big time. You know, and there's uh, there's other anchors of the past. If we're we're trying to give examples so that you can review your life, maybe you don't have any. Maybe you've already worked through them. But for us, these are just simple examples so that you can kind of review your life and your relationship 
Well, and it also took me, when we were trying to prep for this, I was like, man, what things have I taught the kids? Have they learned from us? Because the years that they were most formidable, they were, they were supposedly picking up everything, were the years that we were struggling the most. Yeah. And I, I thought about it, and it's like, oh, crap. What, what things did we put in them that we need to figure out? Because... I don't want them leaving here, stepping into their life, carrying anchors that we've created. I think it's inevitable, no matter who you are. You just, like I even said about the pre-marriage class, you're never going to get rid of those because those are, those anchors, all the anchors are not sitting on one surface. They're just not there. So you don't know a lot about yourself until you get out and experience the world. Something that we have done and our kids tell us, often is that we have shown them what a great relationship is Mm -hmm. some of those things that happened back in the day with seizures and you know babysitters molesting the 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 kids um fighting with you know my old mentor and what we went through there um the pain of you know your your parents moving away and your dad battling cancer etc i know they got some of the backlash because of what was going on, but I don't know how much of that is actually rooted in them. I know some of them that were older, you know, have some of that going on, but I'm saying like the twins and Mo, they seem to be on the brighter side of things, maybe because of the time that they grew up, because, you know, Mo was was a baby when we finally stepped out to get help. Yeah. So I'm sure those things, I'm sure there are things we're going to be anchors in their life in certain places. And some of those anchors are to keep them safe and they're good. And some of them are not going to be good just because we're not perfect at what we do. And we'll be open to work those things out with them. But those are things they're not going to discover until they go on the quest to improve themselves. You know, so we're, it's not necessary that we figure them out. I think your language, as you get older, the things you say and how you act kind of reveal those things. And then you can work through them because it took, it took that for us. It took Mm -hmm. Rita listening to us and us talking about accountability and, you know, me me being just really sad that I can't play that role as your biggest cheerleader or that I couldn't because we couldn't get past that issue of me, you know, pushing you and pressing you and challenging you so that you could grow. I wouldn't say we're in that place now. I think we're a lot better than we've ever been, you know, because for the story that you're writing as one area. Even the conversation we had last night about one of the kids and me pushing back on you and challenging you based on what is going on with the other kids. I'm, just, I'm not trying to say too much about it, but just saying that we have a greater level of trust with each other right now than we had back during that time when we were going through these yeah. anchors. And that's what I'm working hard to convey here. Some One of the simple anchors is uh, we would go to the movies. I grew up, yeah. you know, and 
a lot of my time in Alabama, you know, I lived with a single mom, then I lived with a single dad, and we really didn't get to go to the movies. We really didn't. Uh, the The time my dad took me and my brother out for pizza, it was like, what is this? You know, so I know we got to go, you know, to drive through and whatever, but going out to dinner or going out to uh, the movies or whatever, it's like, the kids are asking, I mean, we were on a shoestring budget, but the kids are like, hey, you know, we want to take you to the movies. And it's like, oh, I got to get popcorn. I got. It's like, this bugs the heck out of me. Why aren't you just happy that you were at the movies? Cut this crap out. We're not doing this. But it was you who helped me with that, as well as celebrating Christmas and some of those other holiday things. It's like, this is supposed to be an experience. Whereas for me, it was like, this. just this much is just good enough. It's like, you taught me, you helped me rip that anchor out to say, actually, you can make this more meaningful. Not that you just got to go to the movies and watch a movie, but you actually got to go make an experience out of this. Well, and then we figured out a way, because for you it was um, about spending money, because we were tight. But then when we found ways to say, okay, well, let's find a middle ground. And instead of buying everybody their own drink and their own popcorn and their own snacks, we would go in and thank you, Cinemark, for coming out with the nice big, you know, buy the large bucket that you can refill once during the movie. And you get two sodas, like 32 ounce sodas for X amount. So we would do that and we would buy four of them. And then we would go and get like four things of candy or i would go to the dollar store and sneak it in whichever one we could pull off but do it we would get like water-sized cups and we would just do popcorn and candy for everybody or we would split the buckets between two people and this is yours and once it's gone it's gone but we found ways to work through it and then we discovered that these two don't even like popcorn they just want the candy and these two don't like soda at all, so they would rather have water. So as though they started to kind of grow into their own, right. we found ways to maneuver around it. But just giving them that experience, because we don't take them to the movies very often as a whole group. Right. So when we would do it, if we could make this big deal out of it, they got excited because we're going to the movies and that means we get to have candy and popcorn, which was not a common thing right. often. Or dad's going to let us have soda today and dad said we could have a caffeine soda today at a movie. That's a big deal yeah. for for little kids. And even now as they're older, you know, they don't necessarily want all the stuff. But they will once in a while come back and say, well, we're going to watch movies and we do Halloween movies or something at home. Well, mom, can we make popcorn and candy and share it? Yeah, because that's a memory they have. Yeah. Of that time that they spent with us. Christmas was always a fight because in the beginning, I mean, we, we had people bring stuff to us, like hospitals and charities brought stuff to us because we just didn't have it. Yeah. And um, it was hard because when you've got little bitties, you know, when I was little, 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 my grandmother spoiled the crap out of all of us. Yeah. I never had a Christmas where Santa didn't show up. I never had a Christmas where we didn't have a full Christmas tree, you know, I, I never, but my grandmother always filled in the gaps. I didn't know that until I was much older. Yeah. And when we finally came to a place where we were financially getting back on our feet, it was like, okay, well, 
in the beginning, since we didn't have the money to buy all of the toys and stuff, what we used to do is I made like crafts or I would get stuff to bake cookies. I found traditions that I grew up with and just started tossing them out there so that the kids were still getting something. Yeah. And it didn't bother you that we were doing that. But once we started going back to, you know, buying presents and stuff, and now the kids are old enough that like, I want to buy presents for people. I want to get in on this deal. That was harder because it was like, okay, well then we have to find a way to make this work for you because there has to be some kind of budget somewhere rather than just random spending. Cause that will spend you, that will send you through the roof just because there's no, um, there's no cap on it. Well, the, the part that taught me the lesson the most and ripped those old mindset anchors up was seeing the heart of trying to create a, an experience and a tradition mm -hmm. for the kids that they would carry on. And someday, us being the grandparents that can help fill in the gaps. Yeah. Because our grandparents and the kids' grandparents, so to speak, filled have filled in the gaps for many years. So making it something special, not just about the gifts, but about the traditions that go along mm -hmm. with it, really shifted in me. Because before, you know, if I was in Alabama, we would go up to Granny's house and, you know, we would have Christmas together. There wasn't a ton of gifts. Everybody got one, you know, and, there, and we didn't get a lot of gifts at my dad's house. There was a tree, but some of those Christmases, we were just bachelors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there wasn't much going on there. And my dad did what he could. It was different out, out in California, out here with my mom. It was more of an experience, you know. So, I was kind of rooted in the lack mindset and worried about the money. Um, but I didn't have, my, my point of view wasn't right. It was not necessarily based in the gifts, but based in the traditions that you were creating. And that, that opened me up, watching White Christmas. I was like, oh, geez, this again. But now I like it. I still hate Halloween and all those movies. Yeah, but, but still... Being able to, because we didn't dress the kids up for a really long time. We did. We, when they were earlier, we did. We When the triplets mm. were first born, we took them over to the vineyard. and We did, but that was the last time that we did anything for probably about four or five years because we had the pregnancies, the new house, everything, mm -hmm. the the decade of crap hit. Yeah. And, um, what did we what, call it? The decade of affliction? Yeah, but the we had people around us when the triplets got into... Um, kindergarten. That's when things started shifting. Yeah. Because we had people who came into our life and, you know, they had multiples too. They understood what we were going through. They they were there for a lot of the, the surgeries with Hunter and the struggles that we were going through. They, um, they just stepped in and took over. What an and, amazing group of people. I don't want to say they took over, but, like, they just stepped in and all of a sudden became honorary aunts and uncles and grandparents and for halloween it was uh you know we're we have this hayride and we know everybody involved in it everybody's vetted they all make these traditional treats or snacks or whatever you know we put the hay bales on the trailer behind the truck grandpa drives this one papa drives this one 
You I are, got to drive one he, one Quincy time. Quincy got to drive one one time, and they were like, you know, you sit on the back, and we take you house to house. It's only the houses that we know. And then when we're all done, we come back, we have dinner, and we have hot chocolate. And normally we didn't celebrate Halloween, and it wasn't about celebrating the Halloween. Yeah. Our kids genuinely loved the fact that they were part of something. Yeah. With all these people that they don't know, but they don't they see them every year, the yeah. same time for this one big thing. It's usually in the and, dark. Yeah, it's in the dark. But I mean, even Kirsten could do it, and and she got to where she could talk more. She could ask for what she wanted. She wanted to ride in the truck with Dad most of the time. For that, the year that he drove, she'd rather sit in the front than ride on the hay bale. But it was an experience for them that they, to this day, still talk about. Yeah, and even I think about it, and I'm glad you brought that up. And before we did that, there was an anchor there for me. And that no, family... Me too. Halloween was bad. Well, aside <laughs> from that, I don't religiously i don't really give a rip i just don't like the holiday but um that family changed our life yeah they did and they had multiples you know they had triplets but they always seemed to support each other and they supported us they i i felt like i would never they measure up on camping trips yeah i just felt like i was <laughs> never good enough to measure up to all the goodness that they gave us, and primarily it's because I was working a ton, you know. But that family, I got to reach out to them and just tell them thanks again for how accepted and wonderful they made us feel. I mean, and they took us on at a really hard time in our life, especially when there was a ton of medical issues going on, and they just, you know, made us a part of their family. Yeah, they did. We, I don't know, it's, it's, funny to look back on some of the stuff because I didn't think about it until we started getting into this stuff. But like, I was constantly telling the kids, no, can we play soccer? Can we, you know, get this outfit? Can we go to this place? And I was constantly telling them no, because that's what I learned. Yeah. We can't afford this. I didn't even know if we could afford it. It was just an automatic no, because that's what I got used to. And then when we first took them to play soccer, Ashlyn was a freaking natural. And if we didn't have all the chaos that we had going on, I would have pushed her to keep going. Mm -hmm. You know, Bubba and baseball, it was difficult. There were challenges, but he freaking loves the sport. Yeah. And then, you know, as they got older, now coming into high school and junior high and can we try volleyball? Can we... we finally got to the point where we're like, you know what? I'm... I got told no so many times because my parents couldn't get me to and from places because they worked two different jobs, had different types of hours. My sister was five years older than me. So by the time I got to high school, my sister was already gone and we just, we didn't have help. We didn't have extras to do things. But with our kids like this, this year is probably the hardest on me as far as schedules go. But at the same time, I don't want to tell them no, just because it's going to be hard. Right. I we, don't want to tell them no because it's going to put stress on us. There's a part of me that's going, if they want to try this, let them try it. Because exactly. if they can do something with it, that's but, great. If they can, look at Mo and her memories. She, she's so pissed about her DQ, but she that's the first time she's ever ran that race. She's never seen the course. And honestly, if she had known 
that they were going to disqualify her at a certain point if she didn't meet that time, I have no doubt in my mind she would have made the time. But she didn't know. It was a learning experience. Now she's two days later and she's like, okay, so next year this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And she's making plans. But had we not given her a chance to try and fail, she wouldn't be making plans to succeed next time around. Well, that's what the next four or five years are going to be. It's going to be a cataclysmic inconvenience for us. <laughs> but in the same token, the more we say yes and we get through the misery of the inconvenience, the more memories they're going to make. Well, the less things to hold them back. I was not giving them things because of what I did growing up. Mm. I was going out of what I knew rather than just going, go for it. Just go for it. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't even know why that affected me so much in making decisions. But I guess, you know, you they tell you when you're younger, if someone tells you you're stupid enough times, eventually you believe it. If you hear no enough times, eventually that's what you expect is rejection. Yeah. Um, or you, you just, you learn to accept those things as being normal. You know, you and I grew up in two totally different households, very different marriages, but the things that we saw, the things that we grew up with, the people that we surrounded ourselves with, be it church, school, what have you, they all had an impact on how we became who we are. Yeah. But the things that weren't so great anchored a few other issues. But there's a flip side to that. The things that were really great, we grabbed onto those too. Yeah, of course. We just didn't realize the sucky ones can pull down the better ones. Well, that's why I mentioned earlier um, that some of the anchors are a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because Traditions. Because they keep, they keep you grounded. But some of them... Sorry about the, the gum dip. Oh, yeah. That is so Quiet. gross. That is so gross. It's a piece of chewing gum in my lip. Um, some of the anchors will hold you back and pull you under. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about. So I, we didn't really anticipate this part, but look at the anchors in your life, period. And really be thankful and share your appreciation for the ones that keep you grounded. I didn't expect to, to think about that yeah. until we got into this show. And then look at the ones that are holding you back or maybe pulling you underwater and those are some that you need to cut ties with and create something new. And we, you know, I'm, I'm looking at what we've talked about and I'm thinking more and more about, you know, one of the anchors we were going to talk about was one that you created for yourself that had to do with our sex life. And because I was brought up in such a strict church religious background, mm. which really didn't even start until I was 13. I mean... I went to church with my mom out here, and I went to church as a little kid out there. But really, my religious journey didn't truly start until I was 13 years old. And at, you know, the WB, COG. <laughs> um, because before that, when they were singing songs about Father Abraham, I'm thinking, why are they singing about Abraham Lincoln in church? That's weird. Mm. Okay, different Father Abraham. Sorry. But that, you know, that was the extent of what I understood. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, they're singing about Abraham Lincoln. I didn't know he was such a big dad. But anyway, that's when my deep-rooted religious beginning happened. 
And so by the time we met, it was a six-year journey. But you know anything I do, I just, I'm in. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, but there, you had some anchors that you threw out of the boat just mentally to say, well, th- maybe he won't like this or this is off limits or whatever just well, based on that. we had some experiences before we got married where, you know, we certain things would happen and then the guilt that you would have or the, the pressure you would put yourself under and it was like... Well, that's that was us fooling around before we were I, married. I get that, but it was like, okay, okay, so we did this. Move on. You couldn't. Like, you, it, it weighed on you. And then when we were married, it was like, I don't know. I had this image of what you were expecting of me. And I just didn't think throwing out kink was going to fit into that image at all and it scared me because i i've got a kinky side i like it this is something that i want to explore this is something that that i think would be good for us but then we had so many struggles in the beginning too it was like this i just didn't know how it would play out and i had already convinced myself that you would look at it as being sinful or wrong or you know Stupid thoughts, but it legit any way you look at it because that's all we knew. We we hadn't had no one told us when we first got married, like, okay, when we did our pre-marriage, they were like, Okay, so you need to put a towel on the door and let your spouse know when you want to have sex so that your kids don't know that you're talking about it. You need to come up with a buzzword when you're ready to have sex so that your spouse knows that you want to have sex, but you don't have to expose yourself in front of your children. Okay, we're at the part of our life right now that if our kids are around I really don't care if you and I are talking and we say something and they're like, oh my God, you're talking about sex. Yes, we are. So stay away from my room. You know, I'm just, I'm not ashamed of it. It is, it's part of married life. Deal with it or don't. But back then, no one told us, I mean, we got a book on how to be intimate. There was nothing about that book that intrigued me. It was like the basic how to bring on romance and light candles and turn on music and things that you should say. And it was not, it was like scripted. I, well, I don't want scripted sex. Look, I'm a dude and your naked body, always great. Let's go. Uh... Yeah, but that's not the same. I mean, it's, it's just not the same. There is a huge difference between wanting to talk to you about sexual toys or things that we want to experience versus wearing a tiny little nightie that looks cute. That's there's so big Yeah, but you said you even had hangups about lingerie and what Oh I did, because the stuff that I liked, I was worried that was gonna scare the hell out of you. Scare me. Well yeah. Honey, you were a church boy. You were a very good church boy. And we were still under that mindset when we first got married because we were letting people tell us that Care Bears were bad for our kids. Well, I mean, that, we, we That didn't happen until later. That was later in our marriage, but there was no there and you know, unless you're talking about like a Michael Myers <laughs> costume, there's nothing that was going to scare me. But that that just No, I wouldn't wear Michael Myers. I know. I was nasty, being stupid. I know. Um, but it's I don't know. I just had this like thought process that I was going to ruin the good little church boy. So I just didn't. 
I didn't put any effort into it. I didn't do I mean, back then, if I would have read one of these romance novels that I read now, I probably would have worried that our house was going to burn down and lightning was going to strike. But I've gotten over that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know. It was just, it was, it was just something that stuck in my head. But I also, you know, I also had that hang up of the service thing. And yeah. You know, sex being a service, and I'm supposed to just serve you, and I'm not supposed to enjoy this at all, and it's just supposed to be, my side of it is to get pregnant and be a mom. Like, wrong. Just so wrong. Yeah, you, you, but, you've been wrong about a lot of things in your life. You were really wrong about those couple topics. That, that wasn't me being wrong. That was what I was taught. You were wrong. Admit they, it. They taught me, I was, they taught me wrong. And that was your take on it. No. Is that still the lesson today? No. No, not from you, you but are... from the, what you from the people you learned it from. Yes. Okay. Well, ours life's is different. Let's just say I'm sharing in the wealth with those that ask <laughs> <laughs> or need a little push, especially if I know that those who informed me are anywhere in the conversation or the mix. Roger that. I try to help where I can. Well, we've definitely blossomed in our sex life. And we've shared a lot of that on this podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm not sharing everything. Sorry. I'm not asking you to, nor do I want you to. There are some things that remain sacred for you and I, which is what we agreed upon. But with that being said, you know, we've kind of covered... Several places that there can be anchors of the past in your life. Some of those anchors, like even Jeannie's talking about, you know, and there's there's other anchors that we could discuss later on if, if we want to get in depth that do have to do with sex and rejection and things of that nature. Well, you even I've... had them about your, your weight and your food and how you did certain things because you got so in your own head and so concerned with numbers and your your body and what you look like and it was at back then it wasn't even about getting healthy it was just how you felt being rejected or how you thought people saw you and it yeah. really messed with you to a point of it became annoying to the rest of us because like dude you you're fixated on this so it there it's not just marriage stuff it can be personal stuff too of course of course i i totally agree um so maybe at some point we do a version two of this show and we can bring some of those other points out. The show's gone a lot longer than I expected, um, but the conversation took us there. And I can appreciate it. And it's therapy. These shows are mm. therapy for us. And we're talking through some of those situations, you know, right now. And that's the hope is that it helps you, the listener. With that being said, I think that's all we got. Don't forget to go to manversusmarriagepodcast.com, dude. When you show up there, sign up to become a subscriber. Plus, you can see all the crappy blogs that I've done in the past, which I haven't done one in a long time. And you'll see all of our content there. Uh, Don't forget to trip on over to YouTube. I'll have to ask Ashley to put our YouTube address because I believe it's Man vs. Marriage podcast altogether, that we have a couple of videos up there now. 
and we are going to do more of those coming up. Surprised at the views it got in such a short amount of time. I'm not. It's not like hundreds of thousands of views or anything, but it was great to see people respond. Yeah, respond. And then we're getting some responses like, "I just watched this." People, you don't expect. I just watched this. You guys are a great couple, and you, you know, this was a great episode. So good looking out there. Keep in mind that we have a couple of email addresses for you. Quincy at mvsmpodcast.com and Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, at mvsmpodcast.com. If you want to email one of us individually, ask questions, make comments, let us know how we can continue to help you with our journey. That is all. She is Jeannie Moran. For now going on 22 years, I'm Quincy Moran for 43, (laughs) 43 of those years. And this is Man vs. Marriage. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.